0: Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in his word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. happening. Uh, someone said Block KC. Who's introducing us out there? I love it. Block KC, what's up, guys? Hey, good to see you. Happy to be with you. Um, yeah, we got, uh, we got it going down here in the foundry. Um, excited you guys made it, found the place. Um, we are finishing up our series, just like Scott said. And by the way, Scott didn't mention it. he gets married next week. <laughs> there she is. There she is. Addie. Their location, where is it at again? Tell the people. No, okay. Yeah, thanks for introducing me, Scott. We're wrapping up our series, Footsteps of the Faithful. Uh, the series has all, been all about looking at and asking the question, what is genuine faith? So the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, is where, is where we've been. The entire chapter is really just a case study. It's a case study on some of the forefathers of the faith, these people who had genuine faith. And we look at it and we say, okay, that, that is what genuine faith is. Let's look at these people and let them teach us. And because it says earlier on in Hebrews, it says that people who have genuine faith, they not only believe that God exists, but they believe that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So week one, Nick talked about how fake half-hearted faith, it just doesn't work. It, it didn't work in the life of Cain, but Real, genuine faith worked in his brother, Abel, who brought a wholehearted, genuine sacrifice to God. At week two, we looked at how faith, it doesn't need to know all the answers, and it can actually step in to the unknown and believe God regardless of what happens. So Abraham and Sarah, they faced impossible circumstances. They couldn't get pregnant. They were beyond the age, and God provided a child, an offspring, a son who would carry on their line. In week three, this was last week, We looked at how Moses and how his genuine real faith, what that meant is he believed God in some of the most trying of circumstances. Real faith, it doesn't trust in the world's wealth around us, it doesn't trust in all of these other ways that you're told that you should get security, you should have security in that, but it just believes that regardless, God is your security and your safety. That was the life of Moses. So excited to wrap up our series tonight. Uh, my wife, Bailey, she has a cousin named Andrew, and Andrew is just an outdoorsman. He's got the beard, he's got the long hair, uh, he is the epitome of just a guy who probably lives outside for a living. Uh, he wants to work in national parks one day. That, that is his dream job, and that's where he's heading. He's got the persona, uh, the dedication, and he's doing something. He's going to hike the Continental Divide. If you don't know what the Continental Divide is, here's a picture of it up on the screen. That is it. It's a pretty big hike, Um, and it starts down in New Mexico. People start down there, and then they make their way up to the border of Canada, so you just hike across the entire United States, and the idea, he's a true outdoorsman, so he's going to do it for real. He's walking it. He's not bringing his Razor scooter. He's He's not hopping on trains. You know, he's not hitchhiking. He's doing this thing for real, and it's just not a small test. 150 people a year complete it. A lot more people set out to do it, only 150 complete it. It's 3,100 miles in total, and the people who do complete it, it takes an average of six months. Six months of your life, just like, do you have that? Can you, can you spare six months and just go hike? He, he has it, he just graduated college, he can do what he wants, uh, and he's going for it. And So you start in New Mexico and you try to arrive at the promised land of the border of Canada, and the journey is marked out for him now, right? He's got, the, he's got the route, he knows where he's going, and he's been at it for three or four weeks. He's, he's doing it right now. I don't have the exact uh, pinpoint location where he's at. Um, but one of the most important aspects, questions he goes into this asking is, for the journey, what do I need to bring? You know, what is absolutely essential? If I'm walking, I don't have a, a truck or a bed behind me. I got my backpack. So what is absolutely essential for me to bring? This next slide shows a picture of his backpack. He posted it to Insta. These are the things that are in his backpack. So he's got all sorts of essentials, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> he's got he's got all sorts of things and and so he's got, you know, the Sleeping bag, you know, he's got the water bottles, refillable water bottles. He's got warm gear. He's got cold gear, just so he can, he can face anything that's coming his way. Weatherproof packaging, sunscreen. He's got that Patagonia first aid kit down at the bottom. I'm not sure if you can see that. It's, it looks pretty sick. I know your eye on it. So he's, he's got these things that are going to keep him healthy, protected, ready to go, regardless of the weather, regardless of what comes up. And then he's got a couple fun things. He's got a camera, he's got a tripod, he's bringing his phone to, upgrade the Insta, uh, to update the Insta fans, uh, fans and his family and friends, and every now and then he'll get to a town or this spot where he can just rest a little bit more, he can go to a restaurant, and then he sets out again and he doesn't see a town for another three to six days, just living out there. So the mission and the goal, it's clear for Andrew. He wants to complete the race. He's starting it to finish it to make it to Canada, and because he knows the mission, he, he has an idea of some of the things that he needs for it. What are the absolute necessities? And then the even easier thing is, what do I not need? What should I not bring? And you guys can think of a thousand things that you just don't bring on a journey like this, right? A ton of things. What, someone shout out something. What do you, what's something, it could be silly, it's something you don't need to bring on a journey like this? Nintendo Switch, that's a good one. I completely agree. Could be fun. Yeah, he, he could bring his Switch. He could bring his PlayStation, his Xbox, and he, maybe he could find a way out there. Maybe you plug it into an orange, give it some power. I don't know. You guys have seen that on TikTok. But eventually, he's going to say, hey, this is, this, is, this is tiring me out. I don't need to carry this, and he's going to leave it somewhere. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> rubber ducky. Who knows the amount of joy that could inspire while he's out there alone? Who knows? It's his, it's his Wilson. I don't know. So yeah, he's not going to need these things. He's, he's not going to need a laptop. He doesn't have a job. He, he's going to get a job when he's done with this, but he's got no emails to respond to. He doesn't need to turn anything in by 11.59 p.m. <laughs> Sounds kind of nice, right? Yeah, we like that. So he doesn't need so many things. For example, he doesn't need He doesn't need a girlfriend. (laughs) He he doesn't, you can go out on a journey without one. You can You don't need a wife for the journey. And and you guys know, I talked on marriage a few weeks ago. I, I I hope a godly girl comes into his life one day, but he doesn't need it. He's also not gonna need to bring that stress of finding a job. He's not gonna need to bring just this like, desire to make money, to, to build wealth so that he can afford that house or that car, these looming things that some of us feel right now. He's just not gonna need it, so that, and he's gonna leave it. He's not gonna carry it so that he can run the race. He doesn't have the stress of, man, I got a busy week. I got all these events, I got all these meetings, I got all these appointments I gotta get to. Listen, he's just not gonna make it. If you've got one set up with him, he's, he's out there. He's not gonna make it. He's, he's got something going on. He won't be at the NFL draft, He's doing something because and, and, he's focused. He's got his eyes set on the destination, the reward of completing the journey. He wants it. And, and along these lines tonight, this, this relates. Tonight we're going to look at the closing of the section of Hebrews where it can be easy for us to read all of these great stories of people with great faith and say, man, that was awesome. Abraham and Sarah and Moses, they were incredible people. Like, I don't know anyone with that much faith. Man, it was real. I love it. I believe it. Moses, man, he really ran the race. He's awesome. He had such admirable faith in God's promises and God's character. And instead of coming to this place where we're inspired by it, personally, we write it off. we say, yeah, like, that's really cool, but it's, it's not for me. I can't be that, I can't do that. They had something really special. They had something different, I don't know what it was, but they were different and I'm different, I can't have that. These people, these stories, they were, the Bible says that they were written for our instruction. Not so that we could go, oh cool, you know, like we have these cool people in Christianity that we can look to, they were, they were written for our instruction and the letter of, the, letter of Hebrews as a whole, is this call to stop being lazy, to stop sitting there and and not doing anything about faith but live it out. Pay closer attention, pay closer and closer attention. Don't neglect such an amazing salvation from God. Stop going after all of these other things that are causing you to be lazy in your knowledge, in your life because if you do, Hebrews 2, one says that you will drift and you will be adrift. You'll be somewhere else. You'll find yourself in a place where you're off course. So the call tonight, as it would be people, is that we would be people who run. Would we be people who run, we would strive after the goal, the, just to, to complete the journey, that we would seek God with our whole hearts, their whole hearts, full of faith, by faith, believing God can do so much more than we can even imagine right now in our lives? so much more than we could ask for. So we're gonna get right into it, and would you guys pray with me? God, I, I'm amazed at a room like this every time where there's 150 people, young people, just eager to hear from you, eager to hear about, about faith, about God. Maybe they're seeking you, and are you real? Like, who are you? What is this, God? And, and I just ask that you would use tonight, God, you would use this, Place this room and just got to work in our lives, God. We don't want to be where we are. God, let us have this holy discontent, God, to, to be in a spot tomorrow and the next day and the next day that is closer to you. God it is running after you harder and harder. And we get further and further to know you better and better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're following along in your Bibles, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're gonna be tonight. We, we finished up Hebrews chapter 11, skipped over uh, a little bit, there's, just, there's more stories, more stories of more people who are, uh, they're example after example, they're person after person who has just admirable faith in God and it's despite their sins. It's despite their mess ups, they were all imperfect they, and despite those things, they all demonstrated genuine faith In God and God used these men and women to do incredible things. God showed his ability to save his power and his love through every single one of them. So we're going to pick up tonight Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run With perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So off the bat, we've got this cloud of witnesses, and it's, it's weird language, it's not found in a ton of places in the Bible, so, so how do we look at it, what, is, what does it mean? And witnesses, it's just a word, it has a couple of different meanings. Witnesses, for one, it could mean, hey, these, this group of people, these fathers and forerunners in the faith, they're witnessing what we are doing, like they're, wit- they're watching us live our lives. That's, that's one way that you could read this. And, and another way that you could read it is that these people they're witnesses in that they are testifying to something that is true. And when, when we witness them, when, they, when we see their lives, they were being witnesses to the truth. They were testifying to something that was real. They are proof. Their, their stories testify to that God rewards genuine faith. And it seems to me as we get further into passage, the latter is going to be true as we look at the author's purpose in writing here. The author of Hebrews here, he's pleading with them, he's saying, see all of the examples. I, just, I laid them out for you, this is the reason I read them. Look at all the examples here. Admire them, you should admire them. You should say, that is amazing. And they ran the race, and they did it. They believed God. And then they believed God more and more and more, and just look at their lives, look what God did with their faith amazing. And see how they lived. Like, I've been wondering what genuine faith is. You don't know. That was genuine faith. They had it. So the author of Hebrews is saying, let's do that. Let's learn from them. Let their their faith inspire you to run. And let it cause you to ask, what did they have? What did they have that I don't have? What did they do that I'm not doing? The only explicit command in these verses Uh, in the entire, uh, these verses one and two. The only explicit command is the verb run. So because these witnesses, because their lives, because their faith, run. And there's a number of things that we can learn from the footsteps of the faithful. We've had three weeks of it. You can listen back on Spotify. A lot of good stuff. But tonight we're gonna talk, the first thing in these verses, the first thing that we can do and learn from the witnesses is that we should throw off every hindrance and sin, throw off sin and everything that hinders. The most basic spiritual need, everyone in the room, everyone in the world has, for all time, is that we need to be liberated from the power of sin. That's the reason that everyone in the world, before they believe in Christ, that they don't have a vibrant faith, that they don't have this radical faith in God. It's because sin has power Over us. We've all fallen short. This is the first, the most baseline reason that you maybe don't have that radical faith walk that you hear about. It's that we don't believe, we don't have faith, we don't believe God. It's like this. You got to imagine with me here for a little bit, okay? It's like the only path in the entire universe that leads to eternal life is the continental divide. Can we throw it back up on the screen? The continental divide is the only path in the universe that leads to eternal life, that leads to God, that leads to heaven. Jesus said, it's recorded in John, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. So the answer of getting to the right destination, it starts with and culminates with Jesus, running to him for life. And so if that's true, for the purpose of our for the purpose of our illustration, that would make Jesus New Mexico. Jesus is New Mexico. Jesus, that's the starting point. That's the starting point to being a person who runs the race of faith. you got to go to New Mexico. He's the only one who can pay for your sins, the only one who can, uh, who can heal you from your offenses against God. You've separated yourself because of your sin, and it's only Jesus, it's only by going to New Mexico, and you get this stamp on the back of your hand, this stamp that says that you can get in to heaven, and it never washes off, and that means that you've been forever adopted into God's family. You are a son and daughter of the creator God. Just go to New Mexico, and, and we hear that. And maybe for the first time tonight, if it's the first time you've heard that tonight, I'm so happy you're here. I want to connect with you afterwards. That's what I want more than anything tonight, more than ice cream even. I want to connect with you. And some have heard that over and over and over again, that eternal life, salvation from sins. It's found in Jesus. It starts by going to New Mexico. And you've still never been In reality, you've heard about it, but you went to Tennessee. You went to Tennessee, you told God, I'm going to the Appalachians. The Appalachian Trail, I hear what you're saying, God. I I think the Appalachian Trail is gonna be good for me. It's gonna be good. God, I'm going to the Andes. I I hear what you're saying over there, but I'm going to the Andes Mountains. That's gonna do it for me. Or God, I I need a beach. I'm not a mountain person, I need a beach. And I'm gonna go to a beach over there, and I'll be satisfied. We replace Jesus with all these other places. We say that these places are gonna they're gonna be the path to life. We went to the party lifestyle, we gave our lives and we put all of our eggs in the dream job. When we went to another religion, we went to a false God, we went to relationships, and then what's gonna happen is one day, if Canada is heaven, we'll all go to Canada. We'll all go to the presence of God, right up to the border. We're gonna all be right at the border. And God's gonna say, Why didn't you believe my son? If you never went to New Mexico, God's gonna say, Why didn't you believe in my son? Why didn't you trust in him for life? Why didn't you let him pay for your sins so that you could be with me forever? I sent him for you. Why didn't you trust him? And the, truth is, the truth is you're not gonna have a single answer other than you believed falsehood over truth. And the ones who trusted God, they went to New Mexico, they, they trusted in him, they placed their faith in Christ, they'll get to freely enter forever in to Canada because Christ paid for them in their lifetime because they went to New Mexico. Man, the, the race of faith, the never-ending life of meaning and purpose and, and truth in relationship with God, it starts in New Mexico. You, it starts. The race starts by going to Jesus. Only he can pay for your sins. So we got that. Sins are paid for. You're liberated from the power of sin Forever. You got the stamp. You are one with Christ, united with him. Now you can freely run. We can live. We can get to know Jesus deeply. We can know his words and his character, and we can pursue these things, and we can become like people in Hebrews chapter 11. We look at their faith, and it's like now we've been in New Mexico. We understand it. We're on the same race that they were on. We can follow right in their footsteps because it started with them looking to a Savior. It starts with us looking to a Savior to a savior, Jesus. It's time to run, yet it's not what we're all doing. Some of us are just walking. Maybe you might just be meandering. You're taking a break. You took a a break years ago, and you're still on a break. You haven't run once. You haven't taken a step. And one of the reasons that this happens, and this is what it says in the scripture, one of the reasons is that we're not running is we're carrying things we don't need for the journey. We certainly don't need sin. We, we needed to be set free from sin even in the beginning. So why would we ever carry it with us now? We're free from it. The writer of Hebrews says, throw them off, lay them aside. And there's this distinction here in this verse, if we can, if we can put that back on the screen. The distinction, there are these weights, there's everything that hinders. What, what are these? Why, why do I need to throw them off as well? I get it, sin's not good for me. What, do I need to th- what is this other thing, anything that hinders? There's something else. And this is really, really important in this room tonight. A bunch of young people who are capable, a lot of life ahead of you, excited about life. This is really important for this room, people who are eager to take on the world. And you can look at it this way. I, I, I would imagine most people in the room at one point or another, you're thinking about doing something, maybe you've done something, or you've seen someone else do something, and it causes you to have this conversation with somebody about, what do you think? Is that a sin? Like that, is, is that sin? Like this, that's not, you think that's bad? Is that a sin, is that good, is that bad? Is it a sin, what do you think? And it's really asking the question, well, what's wrong with it? Like really, what is wrong with this thing We're looking at. What the writer is is asking us here is telling us, he's saying, don't just ask what's wrong with it. That's the most basic thing that you can ask. Is it a sin? Don't just ask what's wrong with it about the things in life, about your music, about your uh, TV shows and your movies and your parties and your video games and your board games and your sports. The things you eat, the things you drink, everything in life, don't just ask, is it a sin What's the question we ask? The question we ask is Does it help me run? Does it help me run the race? Does it get in my way? Does it slow me down? Instead of asking that minimum question, how about we ask the maximum question? Is it helping me live the life God is calling me to? Does it help me run the race of faith? And as we read the scripture, and I think that's what God wants us all to consider, what is weighing you down? What are the, for sure, what are the sins that are weighing you down, but what are the other things? The other things in your life that you're just carrying with you. You've got them, and, and I don't know what they are completely, but they're holding you back. What are the things holding you back from running? I can't tell you. You know. You know. You want to become more holy. You want to become more patient. You want to grow, become more loving and compassionate and be in this place where you're growing in knowledge and wisdom and maturity. You know you should run. Maybe you want to run. But you're distracted. You're carrying some stuff. It's holding you back. Maybe it's binging The Office. Or other TV shows. It's been that for me. Maybe you're binging these things and it's, it's taking up all your time in the evenings and you're struggling and, and battling sin. You're struggling in this battle of sin, not able to prioritize time with God, you know, in the evenings or in the mornings and, and you're, you're trying to grow in knowledge of his word and meanwhile, you get home and it's Netflix. It's a, it's a media, it's Netflix, it's Xbox. And it's on Until you're ready to go to bed. And it's just on, and it happens day after day after day, and then it keeps you up late at night, and you lose sleep, and you you wake up late, and you go into work, and you're like, I had no time, and you find yourself at work saying, Why can't I run like the people in this book? Why can't I run like the people in Hebrews 11? And it's not confusing. You're carrying these things. So what do you need to lay aside? What do you need to throw off? It might be social media. It's not like an outright sin just for you to be on there, but it's abusing and you're abusing it and it's consuming all of your time and you're like, man, if you got off of it, what about all the opportunities you could have to get to know God deeply? It might be that. Maybe moderation. Maybe it's something extracurricular. It's the sport. It's a sport you play, it's a sport you follow, it's a team you follow. Maybe it's getting swole, it's getting fit. You can tell I'm not doing it. That's not my problem, (laughs) (laughs) but it might be yours. These things can be inherently good, but when it's keeping us from running the race, it's not. That's not good. You get to God, you get before God in heaven, and you say, hey, like, I love you, God, but this thing was really, really good for that time, and he's gonna say, you could've been running for me. Maybe, maybe it's your work, your schedule, you're trying to control your life. Really, what's been happening is you're just walking circles in New Mexico, and you're not running the race. So the Christian asks himself, does it help me run? Does it help me run? And, and if you don't know Jesus, you've never been to New Mexico, you ask yourself, what's keeping me from running to Jesus? And, and I think it would be unwise of me if I didn't just give us a quick second, a quick second to think, and a quick second to tell someone next to you. We're going we're to take a minute. Um, I just want you guys to turn to someone next to you. Maybe you don't have the answer yet. You don't know what that thing is. Let someone else tell you. But turn to someone next to you, man, what is keeping me from running or keeping me from running to Jesus? Take a quick second. All right, all right, all right. Well, bring it, bring it back in. Thanks, guys. Man, pick that conversation back up if you're getting into it. I know some of y'all were just laughing. You got some funny things you need to let go of. That's cool, too. I get it. I get it. What do you need to lay aside? What do you need to throw off? I know for me, one of the things I've been carrying lately is just some laziness. It's, it's staying up too late, and, and it's laziness because middle of the day when I should be doing something, I'm doing something else. I'm doing nothing. I've gone to YouTube, I've gone to something, and here I am, I'm staying up late, and I'm losing sleep, and it's not honoring to my wife, it's not honoring to my body, it's not honoring to God, it's not helping me be the person God is calling, to me, calling me to be. <laughs> Another thing for me, and it's been more recently, but it's been a lot in my life, is uh, video games. Y'all are like, dang, the, the preacher plays the little video games, what a child. <laughs> what a child. Yeah, I play some video games, I'll kick your butt in Rocket League. (laughs) Or FIFA or Madden. You pick the game. I'll beat you. But in reality, there's been a lot of times in my life, especially high school, especially college, that that video games have kept me from running. And recently I've 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 let it keep me up late. I've let it take my time. And, And when I needed to be prepping this message, when I needed to be serving my wife, I was doing that. It's not helping me run. What is possible is that you're thinking about, maybe the thing you just shared with the person right next to you, you're thinking about it and you're like, this is such a part of me. This is just what I do. This is my personality. These are, all my jokes are in this thing. That's the office for me. You know, like, like, this is such a part of me, how could I ever throw it off? How could I ever not let it keep, how, how could I ever not Let it, have it be something that keeps me from running. I get that. First off, you need to know if God can free you from the power of sin, he can free you from the power of that. Whatever you just said. Secondly, I want to challenge you to take these verses really, really, really seriously. Do you believe God? This is baseline faith stuff. Baseline faith stuff. God can do the impossible and I want to challenge you sometime this weekend, maybe it's next week, maybe you take a day off from work, maybe you take a half day, maybe it's after work, and you, you just get alone, just you. You don't take anyone with you. If, you, if you're married or you got a, a girlfriend, you say, I'm not talking to you for this long, you know, and you get alone. You take your Bible, you take a notepad, you go to a quiet coffee shop, you go to a park, you go somewhere quiet, and you seek God in prayer, in the Bible, about making a plan to throw these things off. You need a plan. How many times have you said, man, it would just be such a good idea for me to not have that in my life? And then you try one thing and you're done. You need a plan. What about the little things that are making way so that you can do that thing? Make a plan. How do I get rid of this and throw this off. And then, and then you, while you're there, you praise God for the ways he's worked and is working in your life already. You read the book of, read the book of Hebrews from start to finish. You're going to have four, five, six, eight hours. I don't know. You read the book, start to finish, and you just sit there in awe of God, of his plan. The book of Hebrews lays out everything for you. And you're like, man, God, you're so wise. Your purpose is so much better than I could ever understand. And the countless ways that you have loved me, It makes me want to run. Yet I'm struggling. And you write down these distractions and you pray about them. You give them to God. You ask God to give you a plan and you write it down. You begin to live this way. You get someone to help you so that you can lay these weights aside. How can we run in the footsteps of the faithful? First, we must throw off sin and everything that hinders. Point two, tonight, the second thing that you need to run the race is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Back at the verse on the screen, we'll put it back up. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm a big golfer, wearing one of my polos right now, Grew up playing it. My family played Mother's Day, Father's Day, summer birthdays. We played golf and then we got Minskis. That's what we did every time. It was great. Golf is hard. Someone who's played it for 15 to 20 years, it is still the hardest sport on the planet. I've gotten better, but it's just the facts. It's hard and it's out in nature, which means that there's trouble everywhere. There's woods, there's rocks, there's holes, there's snakes, there's anything. There's alligators in Florida. Like You need to watch out on the golf course. So, so what happens is I, I line up. I swing. Immediately in golf, you know if you hit a good shot or not. Immediately. You can feel it in your hands. You're like, that didn't feel like a golf ball hitting the club. That felt like a rock. You know, it, it, you feel immediately that it's going off course. And then you look up. Hold that follow through, of course. You look up, and you see the ball head and left. And there it goes. Into the woods. Once again. Come on. Why do I keep doing this? So what ends up happening is, man, if that's a valuable ball, I'm going after it. Golf balls can be expensive, golf's expensive. So I'll, I'll go to the cart, I'll put my club in the bag, hop in the golf cart, you're riding with someone next to you. And so I'm riding, but what happens is I saw the line that ball went in the woods on. So as I'm driving, I'm turning, I'm driving like this. I'm driving over here and I'm looking. I'm looking at the line that that ball went in the woods on over there. It looks weird, yeah. It's weird on the neck, but I'm fixing my eyes on the line it went in the woods at because the woods are huge. There's so much stuff between me and that ball. There's so many things that I could look at that could distract me, but I fix my eyes. I laser my focus because if I want to find it, if I'm gonna seek that ball, I'm gonna fix my eyes on it. What happens if you look away and you look at something, you go to the cart person and you buy a candy bar, you know, like you're gonna lose where that ball went into the woods, so you have to laser your focus. And that's what we need if we're going to run this race by faith. Life is, life is going to hit us. We're going to be driving in life and we're going to see, oh, she's cute. You're going to say, oh, that's a nice job. You know, you're going to, you're going to be looking around, but you're, you're running. So who, who runs like this? No one. If, 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 you, if you run like this, looking all around, you're going to run into something. It's going to knock you out. That's not how people run. It was funny for you, that's not how people run. You focus on where you're running. So we must not take our gaze off of Jesus and and this is what was true of all of the witnesses in Hebrews 11, they by faith believed in God and lived for him and even though Christ hadn't come yet, Christ hadn't even appeared yet, he hadn't lived and died yet, by faith they believed God was gonna provide that. And they knew that that was gonna be better than anything else they could turn to. God was gonna make all things new. He was gonna right all wrongs. They knew that God God was gonna do that because he had promised it, and so they believed it. The witnesses were all, by faith, believing in the promise of God. They were looking to Jesus, and we have to do the same. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, meaning we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's that pioneer. He's gone ahead of us He's gone ahead of us here in this room tonight. He's lived. He set the example. He said, Follow me. He says, I came to make that way for you to eternal life, to life with God forever, now and forever. I'm the only way, and He's the perfecter. Other versions say that He's the finisher. He's the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. And it it, it implies that He's finished something. That something being the unfolding of God's plan. There was this promise, and and He was the fulfillment and the unfolding of God's perfect plan to save the world. And it was promised that it would be the Son of God, Jesus, and it happened. God fulfilled it. Jesus appeared, He came, He persevered, He endured. And Jesus cried out with His last breath on the cross It is finished. These are the hows. This is how we run, we throw off sin. And we throw off all the other things too. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He's our only hope in life and death. He's where it starts and where it finishes. So in closing, there's, there's there's one last thing we need and it's what's our motivation? Why do we endure? Why can we endure? Why do we run? Why do we persevere? Jesus was nearing the point in his life where he knew he was going to be betrayed. Jesus, being God, knows all things. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew the end was coming and it caused him to be so overwhelmed with sorrow and anguish and pain that he went into a garden and he prayed to God. He said, God, I, 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 I can sense and I know that this is what you want me to do but I, I don't feel like doing it. It's hard making me sweat blood. But he said, God, if that's your will, I'll do it. And what happened is God met him in that moment and strengthened him, he sent angels, God commands angels to strengthen us, to strengthen Jesus, and it helped Jesus laser his focus on what he had to do, was to run the race of faith to persevere. Right after that, Judas, one of his followers, one of his disciples, what Judas did is he betrayed him. He was the one who turned him in to the authorities. And so Judas comes with all these authorities and officials, and Jesus just, he says, hey, Judas, my friend, do what you have to do. I'm not scared anymore. God strengthened me. I'm doing this. I'm going to the cross. And he let them arrest him, and Jesus was brought into the courts before the high priests and all these other officials again, and they said, hey, you said that you were the son of God? That is blasphemy. We don't believe that. If you say you're not the son of God, we're going to let you off. You could live. And Jesus was silent. He had a way out. He had an easy way out. Again, they said, like, hey, if you, if you just go back on your statement and you say you're not the son of God, you'll be free. You won't be killed. Are you the son of God? And he said, that's what you said. And they take Jesus in, in chains up to the governor. They take him up to the, to the top, and, and to Pilate. And Pilate says, listen, man, Jesus, are you king of the Jews? Jesus said, you, you said so. And Pilate seemed to believe Jesus. He's like, maybe I'm on Jesus' team. It seems like Pilate kind of believes him. And, and Pilate says, man, if you'll just work with me, Jesus, I, I don't think this is right, but if you'll just work with me, I can get you out of this and Jesus just remained silent. So Pilate he, he delivered him over to the soldiers to be crucified and then the soldiers they stripped Jesus and then they mocked him and then they spit on him and then they whipped him and they dressed him up in a robe and put a staff in his hand and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they said, "Oh, king of the Jews, right? King of the Jews, you said you're king of the Jews." While well, he's bleeding. He's being tortured. And once they had their fill of laughing at him and striking him in the head, they they took him out to be hung on a cross. And he hung there, publicly, humiliated, undeservingly for hours. And it was time to kill him. So they they took a stick, they put sour wine on it, and they said, it's it's time to kill him, We we need to suffocate him. So they put the sour wine on a sponge on the end of the stick. And with his last breath, Jesus said, it is finished. And that's what Jesus endured. Persevered through by faith and trust in in the Father. He set his gaze towards it and he didn't let anything stop him from paying for your sins. But why? We put that scripture back up on the screen. It says, for the joy set before him Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had his eyes on the reward. There was something so much better on the other side of this torture, and that's true for all of us. There's something so much better on this side of life. On the other side of this life, there is something better with God in his presence for eternity. And for Jesus, enduring meant that he would cancel debt, he would defeat death, he would release you from the power of sin and what was given to Jesus. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God gave him the name that is above every other name. He's the king above all kings that have ever lived. He's the lord above all lords that have ever lived, who have ever called himself a lord. He is above them, and it's because God gave him that title. And he got a return to his father in glory. He's seated on the throne. Everything is under him. He is in complete and utter control. He's sitting in perfection with his father with pleasures Forevermore, and it says that he scorned the shame. This is big for us. It means he thought it means he thought nothing of the shame. Is that how is that how you feel? When when it's time to worship, are you get nervous? When it's time to talk about Jesus, is it is it time to just cower back? He thought nothing of all of that shame. And he was being shamed undeservedly. It didn't change anything for him. The shame doesn't change anything, and it shouldn't change anything for us. God who promised the reward didn't promise it was going to be painless. God who promised, however, is faithful. Verse 12, 3, the next verse, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. And you're going to face some opposition. If you're going to run the race of faith, you're going to face opposition. And maybe that's the reason you're walking circles in New Mexico is because you know opposition's coming. Maybe that's why you're taking a break on the side of the road because you know opposition's coming. It's already come maybe. Think about Christ. Remember Christ. When you face opposition from the world, you can endure the shame because your Savior did We fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the reward. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore are at the right hand of God in heaven. You know what else is at the right hand of God in heaven? Jesus That's why there's pleasures there forevermore is because your savior is going to be with you forevermore. Jesus is the reward. If you haven't gone to New Mexico, you're invited. The state wants to invite you. But Jesus desires you to come. To come to him for just real, true life by faith. And if you come to New Mexico and you've come to him already and you know Jesus, throw off sin and everything that hinders and fix your eyes on Jesus. What's holding me back from running? Ask yourself, does it help me run? And always remember the sin and the weights and the distractions and the hindrances in this life, they pale in comparison. They pale in comparison to the promise of pleasures Forevermore with God in heaven. So let's run. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to acknowledge that in this part of the world, we have it so easy. We have it so easy. Talking about this and thinking about this, if I get pulled over on the side of the road by a cop, an official, and I tell them I was going to church, they might, they might let me off here in this part of the country. So we can praise you for that, God. You've given us tremendous freedom over here just to pursue you, to talk about you, to think about you. If I, if I, if I had a thought that I wanted to get to know Jesus, overall, it might be a really good thing here. And there's parts of the world where that's just not true. And we know it wasn't true for Christ. And God, I, I want to pray here, mm-hmm. God, we also in America have more hindrances than just about anywhere. We live in Johnson County, highest 2% wealth in the world. May we have the stuff. And that we have the stuff and it feels good. And God, it's keeping us from running. So, God, would you make us aware of these things that are keeping us from running? They don't let us run, they don't help us run. God, let us consider Christ. And God, I pray just that application in the middle of the message, God, that we would just get alone with you. And some of us in this room are, are running. And God, let us keep running. Stuff's going to come up. Help us just shove that aside. Help us tell one another, God, God, is more worth it. Shove that aside. God, help us just to desire you because you are the reward. We can get these things here and now, and they're not rewards. They're hindrances. And God, you're going to bring good blessings into our life. You're going to give us good things. God, help us just to give all of those good things to you them in your light and that we would run with them with you in mind if we don't need to throw them off. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.